0: You are listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Rogue. Each week we design new decks for tournament play. We put our creations to the test and share our findings on the air. Twas the week before previews, and all through the leagues, not a streamer was brewing. Except Morg and his utter nonsense. Today we take a look at seven modern brews to kick off your new year in style. That's all coming up on Faithless Brewing. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show! Welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Schriever, also known as Cave Dan online, and I'm joined today by my guy from Buenos Aires. You know him as Moored to Light. It's Emi Sagasti. Emi, welcome.
1: Heyo, how's it going, Dan? All the way back to the west.
0: It's going like... okay. I'm completely swamped. I'm at the tail end, or what I hope is the tail end, of the most chaotic move I've ever done. I was in Jerusalem for almost four months, like most of the fall. Coming back from there was just the beginning of the journey, unfortunately. (laughs) We flew back to Virginia to see family, and then I had to go drive up to New York to collect our cats, because my cousin had been taking care of them. And then from there, it was the long drive down to Texas. Down through all the south. You know, we were lucky enough to dodge the big storms, but there were some tornadoes. There were power outages. There were many, many nights of literally tearing the hotel room at La Quinta Inn from floor to ceiling, trying to move all the furniture because the damn cats keep hiding and they don't want to leave every morning. And then we finally got to Texas, where all of my stuff is heaped up in a million boxes and I'm slowly sorted through the wreckage.
1: Okay. But at least you are finally starting to slowly settle. At least I assume so.
0: I hope so. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad you reminded me that you know, we should actually put an episode out. I do apologize for the, the slowdown in content these last couple of weeks. It's just been complete chaos, but...
1: I mean, Christmas, New Year's Eve, the moving, everything makes every single amount of sense. Just have to slow down slightly. But we're back, stronger than ever as stubborn as ever, and maybe a bit as steadfast as ever.
0: <laughs> we'll see. I do have to warn you, I haven't had much chance to like learn or absorb anything magic-related for the past two weeks, so Mord, I'm relying on you. This is our untitled Mord episode, where you just fill me in on all the goings-ons, and I will react in real time.
1: You guys were super close to just getting a one-hour Mord monologue for the day. Every single body's on holidays, and I couldn't find a co-host. And until then went, like, "Oh, I found a power outlet," and I was like, "You just saved everybody from me making different voices for an hour." <laughs> You're a hero.
0: Got internet working last night. <laughs> Finally <laughs> uncovered a power outlet that works. So we're we're back. We're live. We're ready to go.
1: So regarding magic, there hasn't been that much of anything. Wizards of the Coast is getting its own huge controversy, but but Dungeons & Dragons related, so there hasn't been any... Seems like the holidays kept everyone calm in the magic side of things. Not any huge controversies or fights that I just love to get my head into.
0: What happened with Dungeons & Dragons? Is that related at all?
1: Apparently, they are just gonna remove the free trade license from Dungeons & Dragons, so they're gonna stop people from being able to make custom content to sell or promote or whatever based on Dungeons & Dragons, be it custom characters, custom races, custom classes, um, campaigns, anything people were promoting, selling, using on the basis of Dungeons & Dragons, they're just trying to shut down, in a similar vein to what they did to custom magic um, card builders. So they are trying to keep everything official.
0: So that happened, what, almost a month ago, right? Shortly after the Magic 30th edition proxy beta set. Yeah. Where on the one hand, they were trying to convince us to buy these $1,000 booster sets. On the other hand, if people were saying, we'll just make our own proxies, they stepped up their legal action and said, no, you're not. (laughs) Shut it all down, shut down all of the What do they call them? Um, I forgot the name of the sites already. It's so sad. But they did important work for the community.
1: Yeah, and it's shocking, but it seems like they're just trying to make everything of their own content official. Can't explain why. There must be some reason behind it we're not seeing, but they keep going for it.
0: Why would they do that? I mean, on the one hand... You could say, well, it's our property, right? We, <laughs> we own it, right? Capitalism at its finest. It's our property and you shouldn't be allowed to touch it. But the entire content sphere, content ecosystem that is built up around these franchises, if we can just consider Magic and D&D equivalent, yeah. that content sphere is just free marketing done on behalf or for the company. It keeps everyone engaged. Like this podcast, we don't have the rights to... Use the names of magic cards. (laughs) Like, is this also going to get shut down? Is this true for any YouTuber, for any streamer?
1: We don't know. They don't know how long they're going to go, and we don't even know if the Dungeons & Dragons rule is going to actually go into effect due to the fact they're actually right now fighting with critical role and such. But it's going to be interesting.
0: So they're fighting with critical role. Because critical role is huge, right? I mean, that's like a... yeah. I don't want to put a number on it, but they have, like, a huge staff, super high production values, they have a movie coming out, is that right?
1: No, I think the movie is actually from the Wizards itself.
0: Ah, uh, right, okay, there's a Wizard movie coming out. But yeah, but there's...
1: they're likely the largest um, affected group by these changing rules. Like, I can't imagine anyone as big as Critical Role that isn't, like, official from Wizards of the Ghost.
0: Is this part of a ploy to basically do a hostile takeover of Critical Rule and force them to sign a contract?
1: Could be. I don't know how deep they are going. Maybe they make them sign a contract and then just don't actually release the new rules.
0: Hmm. All right, well, in the short term, what we can do to defend ourselves is come up with little code names for every card, so that we're not actually using the proper name of any magic card. (laughs) We'll use nicknames, we'll use elaborate like misspellings, just to tread softly. We can
1: finally use Fawn instead of Force of Negation?
0: Oh god. <laughs> what have I done?
1: <laughs> no. Have I officially been granted the rights to Fawn and Fob instead of the respective Force of ear and Force of Negation? Oh my Has Dan done it?
0: <laughs> Wizards forced my hand, I didn't have a choice.
1: Ah, what a great day to be a fun lover. Yeah. <laughs> but in the more in the more magic side of things, nothing much has happened. The metas have been sort of not quite changing in Pioneer, you keep seeing the usual. The best decks continue to be Ragdos Sacrifice, both Agro, Samasodius control, and a pretty big renaissance in Lotus Combo. Though. Oh god. So if you fire up the Pioneer Leagues right now, you're gonna see a bunch of Lotus Combo alongside Angels. Angels has become one of the premier aggro decks of the format.
0: Any reasons why those two decks in particular? Is there new technology
1: or is it just. Lotus Combo isn't particular. The Angels thing is because a lot of aggro decks started growing in numbers as Lotus became more popular and Cel- ancient just destroys any aggro deck, right? Like completely obliterates any deck trying to just one for one it will try to outrace it when it starts, a- starts gaining a million lives per turn. The other day, my opponent had a turn 3 Valkyrie and went for a turn 4 Coco and hit Double Righteous Valkyrie and they just gained... What? What was it? 24 life? <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> They each got what plus six plus six
1: yeah, and they had sorry, no no, 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 sorry, that was my bad, because for the last two they saw the neolite so because they already had more than twenty seven so they just that was that was that was exactly why the number was so big they gained like forty life
0: so each valkyrie that came in saw that it had a huge toughness and you gained that much so life?
1: That had yeah, so they had plus six plus six. Because they had played a Bishop of Wings, then they played a Valkyrie and just went off, and that was the beginning of the end. But yeah, Celestia Angel Ancient seeing a lot of play, one of the favorite aggro decks of the format right now, playing four Collected Company and four Bad Collected Company as well.
0: Were they playing any one-drops? Or did they just give up on one-drops?
1: No, no, zero one-drops. For Bishop of Wings, for four for... Um, they A lot of them are playing the land, the M- MDFC, that's the 2 mana 1-3 against 2 life. Okay. 4 youthful Valkyrie, 2 Inspiring Overseer, 4 Respelling and Denchil, 4 Righteous Valkyrie, 4 cleave Evaporation, and 8 Companies.
0: So it's become like a, a more ponderous deck. Like, it's not really aggro, the way that you're describing it.
1: Yeah, but it sort of still kills you in turn 5 by swing by tapping creatures. It's still aiming to kill you on turn 5 or 6 by just...
0: I mean, the only aggressive play you have is Giada on turn 2, right? Bishop of Wings yeah. is pretty defensive. Your first threat will be turn 3.
1: The problem is, then- if you're playing a controller mirroring range check and your opponent has a Valkyrie, it's pretty likely it's going to be a plus 2 plus 2 Lord. Because if you're not pressuring the life total, they're going to be at over 27. So a plus 2 plus 2 Anthem, once you're tapped out... Might just be lights out. Interesting. Especially with how hard it's killing a 3-drop at instant speed in Pioneer. We all, everybody knows that. That's the reason Grisfang Fang ever existed. Killing a 3-drop at instant speed on turn 4 or 5, it's not particularly easy.
0: Gotta go for the throat. Yeah. That's what it's all about.
1: <laughs> exactly. Then we go from there to modern the place where things don't change much, and somehow Menino Rey is built different and won the qualifier yesterday with Living End, which is a deck that hasn't won a tournament in a while. It was completely out of the meta.
0: Any new technology, or is it just a deck that people forgot about?
1: Living End being Living End, and Menino being built different, if I'm not mistaken.
0: How was it built different?
1: Oh no, he's built different.
0: Oh, he is built different. (laughs) He hits different. His deck is the same, but...
1: Deck? The same. Menino? He was playing literally the usual, for Living End, this normal amount of cyclers, for grief, for fun in the main deck. Nothing that you wouldn't expect out of Living End. He was playing white ley lines on the sideboard, which is a bit spicy. More importantly, three white ley lines and two black ley lines on the sideboard.
0: Unpack that for me. So, the black ley lines only have a single purpose, right? They stop your opponent from using the graveyard. But the white ley lines, I mean, I could imagine like a few different scenarios where you would want that. One, if you're expecting endurance to be the opponent's main way of interacting with you. Mm-hmm. Two, if you're just afraid of burn. Three, I don't know if anyone plays Thoughtseize these days.
1: It really stops the clocking creativity. Not only stops our Thoughtseize, but it also makes the Archons a lot slower at racing you.
0: So an Archon trigger targets you. So if they if you have hexproof, yeah. the Archon just can't trigger.
1: It's a five-five flyer, which is a lot less than draw a card, bolt your face, discard a card, gain three life, sacrifice a creature. Significantly less. Okay. But yeah, besides that, not much else, so the top 8 was what you would expect, so right now the format is controlled by red decks, mostly.
0: Which red decks are you thinking of?
1: Mortai, Breach are like the two biggest decks in the format right now. Like, Bolt is being played in over 54% of decks.
0: That's actually pretty good, right? I mean, Bolt was down on its luck for a lot of the last year. I actually
1: went and checked and the highest Bolt has ever been before since I started playing was 41%.
0: In the metagame or in a single tournament?
1: No, no, in the metagame.
0: Well, I think it's good to see Lightning Bolts at least back on top. I mean, when Unholy Heat is seeing more play than Lightning Bolts, something is wrong.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's not an issue particularly with Bolt. It's just that how many red decks are on, like, if you look at the top 15, you're gonna see Moortire, Indomitable Creativity, Rakdos, Rinding Station, Burn, Domain Zoo, and Color Omnath, and Prowess, which are all red-based. Then you will have Woodfalls that barely counts. That has red, but not really.
0: So do you subscribe to the theory, since you mentioned Underworld Breach as one yeah. of the decks that's winning a lot these days? Do you subscribe to the theory that Breach will get banned at some point? I saw Jiggy Wiggy made a brief appearance over the holidays and was in a frenzy because he was worried that Underworld Breach had started to see success in Fairdex and that was going to spell the end for the card.
1: I think it might be the Like, it's one of those cards, eventually it's just going to break itself in half. We're just waiting to see when. A card that's banned in Legacy and Vintage only means the reason it's still legal is because it's missing something, not because it's not completely bonkers.
0: I mean, they definitely templated it in a way that they wanted it to be broken. I, I don't know why they did it that way. Why they let it just stick around for the entire turn?
1: If the card had been if the card had been exiled itself and then scape you, it would be a lot more fair. Like. You don't even need to exile an extra card, you can make it exile 3 the same, but the spell that you are casting has to be exiled as well. That would have been a lot more fair. The fact you can just replay the same spell 6 times by exiling 10 and 15 lands is insane.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely an outlier of a card. You don't see cards like this too often. We won't see anything like this again until... Yeah. The straight-to-modern Lord of the Rings set, I'm sure, what we'll something similar. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting if that prophecy, if Jiggy Wiggy's prophecy comes to fruition.
1: I hope not yet, because I hate playing against Rich. so I hope to not see it everywhere where I can. But eventually, it might. Spike was doing his own share of work by trying to break it in different versions, like not making the East Bridge the only broken one, but actually trying to find new homes to just destroy the deck. What was he trying? He played a bunch of, like a lot, and he even faced it twice today, of Gruul Storm. Which objective wasn't actually to make like a huge storm, like 20 storm, but rather go like, Anarchomancer, Ritual, Ritual, Manamorphose, Manamorphose, Mishra Babel, and play a Darcy, and then Breach, I have 8 cards in my graveyard, and go like, Ritual, Grape Shot, Shot.
0: Okay, so that works because the Anarchomancer is actually...
1: Yeah, but sometimes they di- he didn't even need the Anarchomancer, because he went stuff like, double Darcy, and just say surve- yes to every single Surveil, and that makes the escape cost in Breach to only exile one card. So sometimes he has had like hmm. double breach and he w- double Darcy and he will go like turn 1 Darcy, turn 2, bolt your face Darcy, turn 3, Ritual, Ritual, Breach, you will now have around 10, 11 cards in your graveyard, and then you go down to 10 cards, Ritual, down to 9 cards, Ritual, down to 8, Manamorphose, onto 7, Manamorphose, down to 6, Manamorphose, Grape Shot, Grape Shot, grape Shot.
0: Darcy, of course, is Dragon's Rage Channel, I won't say the full name because I don't want the Wizard's legal department to shut us down. <laughs> That's the nickname <laughs> for DRC. <laughs> it's Darcy.
1: But yeah, exactly. DRC or Darcy is exactly Dragon Race channel, which is <laughs> one of the strongest in modern, especially alongside Breach. I might see a world where Rabble gets the axe instead of Breach, because it's one of the biggest offenders in Breach's power level. A lot of scenarios where decks like all, not only that, Spike went a 10-0 streak with Underworld Bridge, Grixie Shadow.
0: That was the the result that prompted Tugiwiki to... Literally
1: playing a third egg, but all of a sudden, you just, you're playing a fair egg with Darcy, with fetches and such, and randomly, your egg is gonna have your graveyard is gonna have 12-15 cards. That means a 2-man Underworld Bridge with a mistress Bubble becomes 2-mana draw 4. Or you're flooded, you have 5-mana, your opponent is at 8, you have a Bolt, and... Nine random cards. Breach. Bolt, bolt, bolt. End the game.
0: And I think it was taking the slots for starters that Kroxa used to yep. have, plus a couple other slots. And the idea behind Kroxa was always that, okay, we have just stuff going to the graveyard the whole game. That's just how the deck is built, so why not <laughs> why not throw some escape in there? But it doesn't have to be Kroxa, right? Maybe it's better as Breach.
1: Yeah, so Kroxa was taking that slot, and Spike was just like, why not? Put in the better card? Why not put in Breach? Because why wouldn't you? It's like strictly better.
0: Well spike being spike can 5-0 with basically anything that involves yeah. good cards. The question is, do you think that will actually stick around as the build, or is that just
1: I mean, every single shadow player I have seen since that date has actually been playing that version, so Bridge seems better than the usual Gourmet Gangler, Murktide Regent, Croxa, whatever Del Scape Threat they were playing.
0: Hmm, huh. that's interesting. I mean, Shadow's not a huge share of the meta these days, so I guess there's not that many people trying to vet this idea, but yeah, it's always interesting when there's like a improvement that's just hiding in plain sight.
1: That's a lot of stuff that happens sometimes. Innovation requires someone to make the decision to go against it. Which, of course, is what happened here with Croxa, with Bridge taking over Crox and such. But that's enough about changes in modern decks, I think. Besides that, there hasn't been any particular new innovations, nothing spicy of sorts. For anybody that wants to know, we're not gonna discuss the huge amount of leaks regarding Firexial, will be one. The only important thing I think worth knowing for anyone is that the Fastlands are getting printed, the remaining ones. And that's worth noting for anybody due to the financial worth of them. Not, do not go ahead and stock on them now if you think the price is going to drop. But we're not going to go deep into the other 60 or 70 rare spoilers.
0: I was going to ask you about that. So today is January 9th. We're still like a week and a half away, yes. right? From the official preview season?
1: I think so. It starts on the 16th, if I'm not wrong.
0: Uh, oh, okay. So about a week. Yeah. So all these cards that have been getting posted, these are just leak leaks. The classic Phyrexia must always be leaked. All will be leaked, or whatever they call it.
1: Phyrexia, all will be leaked. Exactly.
0: So yeah, our policy is we just won't talk about them because they're not official. But it sounded like there was an explanation for it. You said that.
1: Yeah. Apparently, a rare sheet, like rare sheets of Neo Phyrexia, got leaked into the Dominaria booster sets.
0: Oh gosh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Like they were printed accidentally, which led of course to people opening this up as they played the normal one. Like the whole Sun's Twilight set has been um, playset has um cycle has been spoiled alongside most of the lore things regarding which flameswalkers get fire acci- um fireized and which not, which per flameswalkers remain untainted by the oil. Alongside who's going to be the main character and such, as every single rare right now has been seen.
0: Oh, so these are rares being opened in the rare slot of Brothers War booster packs? I think so. Okay. So people are just, have these cards in their hands right now. It's not like somebody broke into the, the print shop and walked <laughs> out with a handful yeah. of rares.
1: Yeah, and there's a bunch of interesting cards that it's going to be pretty fun to talk about in around a week as they start getting shown to the world. Okay. All right, well,
0: we're going to have to hold off on those for just a few more days. But luckily, that frees up our schedule to talk about some brews. And I see here in the outline more that you've been playing... All kinds of nonsense, like all kinds of nonsense.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, I spent, uh, so I spent the last week and a half not playing as many goblins as I used to, because I needed a a fresh take of of fresh air, so I have been playing some spicy crap. All
0: right.
1: So I have jumped all around, my travels have went from insects to bonus value to micromancer to one... Neil Brew I'm actually enjoying a lot based on my favorite magic card.
0: Is that the um <laughs> the one green-white creature?
1: Of course it's the one green-white creature.
0: I can't say its name for trademark reasons, but... um,
1: Sorry, sorry. Her name. <laughs> Respect the most beautiful in magic.
0: Naya Maverick, my goodness. Who would have thought?
1: I'm going to start with Naya Maverick just because I love Naya Maverick.
0: Alright, take us there.
1: So, I was playing... So I was firing a league of insects, regular insects, nothing spicy, not even Magda version, no no, just 3-2 with insects alongside Brain Maggot, Kurul Harpointer, Blex, Realm Walker, Grist, Hayward Ursasaga, Swarmyard. Saga, Swarm Yard, you know, the usual.
0: <laughs> where have we come to in modern that as just a preface to talking about some other deck we're just like oh by the way I was just playing a stock Insects build you know the, the usual Crawl hookers yeah, yeah. and A1 a... and Swarm Yards
1: I uploaded a picture on Twitter that was I think the most devastating turn 3 I might have played in my magic career against a Mortar opponent like the picture is just the board is my opponent just when turn 2 tap out for a ledger Shredder and I have went turn one, Kalis of the Void on zero, plus Ether Vial. I did nothing on turn two. And then I go turn three, Vial in Cruel Harpooner, fight your Ledger Shredder, cast a Vial on, on one. A Kalis on one. Oh, jeez. So I got my Cruel Harpooner to kill a Shredder, and that was the dream.
0: It's like a pretty good card, actually. <laughs>
1: I mean, he trades with Darcy's and gets and is more than able to trade with a Ledger Trader, commonly. And then you also have Blex, which is an Insect Lord. But yeah, I was playing my beautiful League of Insects. I was 3-1, was doing decently, and I faced against a guy playing Naya Maverick. Or what he referred to as Naya Maverick. Uh, He went like, turn 1 Ragavan, turn 2 Six, turn 3 Dryad, and I never stood a chance. So I talked to him on chat, as I tend to do, and I got him to to send me head. The decklist He's actually a new streamer slowly coming, that started playing not long ago. And I went ahead and built my own decklist and fired up. So what am I playing exactly? So we're playing eight must-remove one-drops. Originally, it was four ragavans, and I swapped them for four giver of runes. Alongside four elvis reclaimer, because why wouldn't you play elvis reclaimer? Elvis reclaimer a all alongside my three flagstones of stroke Then you have on the two drops, four Stoneforge mystic and four Brennan sixes, and on the three drops, four Dryard of the Elysian Grove and four Knight of the Reliquary. You close it all up with six seven removal spells, three equipments, four Stoneforge, one shadow spear, one sword of fire and ice, and one caldra complete. And then you just have 27 beautiful lands.
0: So at first glance, this reminds me of the green-white reclaimer decks that would try to go yeah. up to either five mana for a Titania or sometimes six mana for a Primeval Titan, but you s- you didn't actually include anything like that. There's no top end, like there's still two Velikuts because you can search for them, yeah. But there's nothing expensive in the deck.
1: I just never needed expensive stuff to do. Like most of the time, the expensive ability was. Cast a Knight of the Reliquary plus something, or sink my mana into Ursa Saga. Like, it's not particularly playing a long game. If you see the deck, I don't actually have any round spells besides Elvis Reclaimer sacrificing Flagstones or Dryad. It's more about getting the, the utility out of the lands. There was one game I played against Merfolk where I just had two Knights of the Reliquary going, and it was like... Get a Balakut, get a Ghost Quarter, get a Saga, get a Voseichu, Ghost Quarter, Ma- sorry, get an Igancho, Ghost Quarter, my own to Renan 6 it back. And just slowly making community value that just completely sank down my opponent. Then you also have Night of you go get an Ursa Saga, get it back with Renan 6, start making Constructs to overwhelm the board. You can get Blast Zone, you can get Boseishu, and then get a Karu. So
0: can we talk about Renan 6 for a second? Of course. On the one hand, if you're doing anything with lands, you should probably have Ren and Six in the deck. We've come to learn that. But it does seem like it might have some tension with Elvish Reclaimer and neither Reliquary. If if those cards track how many lands you have in the graveyard, a turn to Ren and Six means you really won't ever get that many lands in your graveyard.
1: It never was particularly relevant, because if I had an expert land drop to make, I would just blast with no target. But whenever I didn't have the land drop, it's just the best card in your deck. Like turn two, Vernon six, once you're short on mana with these sort of deck, it's just perfect because it guarantees you're just going to play it yourself comfortably.
0: You're saying that the point of this deck is not to grow the biggest knight of Reliquary you can, it's to just get the right lands, get them when you need At them. At the right time. You can even recycle them. Yeah. Right? You can put a Posage in play, sacrifice it to either Reclaimer or Knight. Use Renan 6 to reuse it. Yeah,
1: and if you have a nitro or a reclaimer, once you get to five or six lands, a Dryad will just win the game on the spot. You end up winning most games via just getting double balakudal of a and Laza Fetchland. Oh I see. The moment that Rayad touches the battlefield, if the game has reached turn five or six, you have been consistently hitting land drops because you're playing twenty seven lands and then just shoot them out.
0: So you said you took out the Ragavans to put in Giver of Ruins? Yeah. So walk me through that thought process.
1: So Ragav- I didn't have enough removal to make sure Ragavan connected. And also the treasures weren't particularly useful for this sort of deck. Like you're not trying to double spell, you're already efficient with your mana, you already have the land drops. And most of the mana you need is not actually mana, but enough land drops for either tri- for either the Triad to trigger the Barakut, or to be able to consistently do stuff with your mana, not just a one-shot. You don't have spells that you're just going to play and feel like you're super far ahead, right? You don't have, like, a fable that's going to overtake the game.
0: I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Better on the colors as well.
1: Yeah, the other player is still on Dragavan. I also think forcing yourself to have red on turn 1 when your deck is mostly green and white isn't the best. But I would never take out Brennan's 6 just to fix my mana base.
0: Mm. As for unfair matchups, you find that just going to the sideboard and hoping for the best, that works out?
1: Yeah. I actually, in the first league, I went 4-1, losing only the last game to Cruel Storm, where they just topdecked the Nuts. And then I went 4-1 on my second league, losing round 1 to, I don't remember what exactly, I think I just got... Reached. But I went a 2 with the deck, so it actually sort of worked better than I expected.
0: Impressive. Okay. I'm not sure I'm ready to award it the title of Maverick, but I'm impressed. For Omnaya lands deck, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm impressed.
1: I gave it the title of Maverick after I used a Cruel Dwarf to get back an a, a to kill an attacker
0: doesn't have Thalia, so can it really be Maverick?
1: (laughs) I mean, Thalia wouldn't go against the deck, it's just Thalia isn't particularly great in the current modern format. 6 exists, decks are too efficient.
0: Alright, what's next?
1: So after that, I went back to an old lover, which is Four-Color Micromancer. And BBBot got a few 5-0s and 3-1 preliminaries, playing a super grindy version. But it the Ulven Wall as your biggest hitter as, alongside favorite. So it's borderline a four-color shell, you're playing two unholy hits, a bolt, a tarfire three prismatic endings, a march, three Traverse the Ulven Wall and three Ephemerates, alongside Brennan Six, the Fairy Omnath and Peach Elementals, with three Micromancer and Eternal Witness to provide you infinite value in the long game. There's a picture of him locking out Shaker Torborg out of the game on turn 4 via silence lock. The turn before Shake could go for a creativity win, he he got silence locked with Witness, Ephemerid, and Micromancer.
0: Sorry, who were the... I didn't catch those names.
1: Um, J.K. Torborg, which is a pretty non-creativity player, and BBbot Online, which was the guy behind Boros Oswald. you remember the deck that somehow almost won a challenge?
0: Yeah, I do. With the Seraparagons. That one. That <laughs> was a strange yeah,
1: deck. That one. That guy. Okay exactly that one what a deck that was i remember playing it and having no idea how it got second in a challenge
0: so micromancer i don't know if you said this was your old love or your old lover but either way you've been on and off again with this (laughs) still texting each other um for some late night i i just just
1: can't release her (laughs) yeah yeah we just meet up from time to time it's not the same there's not a much feeling but we still enjoy our company
0: So, correct me if I'm wrong, but what you've discovered over many iterations is that you don't need any kind of special combo in the deck, right? You don't need any kind of angels, grace, spoils, nonsense. In fact, the Micromancer itself at 3-3 is large enough to deal lethal damage even if all you did was just get Ephemerates and then just steadily fill up your hand with useful one-mana spells, normal ones.
1: Yeah, and a 3-3 is... Surprisingly bigger than Wizards tends to give that sort of creature, you know? That sort of creature tends to have, what, a choo-choo body? Or a one-choo? I know it's overpriced, but a 3 3 is surprisingly chunky. Which allows you to actually close out games and hold back.
0: Yeah, we were testing Arcane Proxy in the last set because David liked the idea of a Snapcaster Mage and Pioneer. But that body sucked, man. It was just so small. Like a 2 1 body just doesn't do anything. It dies to everything. It's never going to get through. (laughs) But a 3 3 though, a 3 3 is like very sturdy. It's a sturdy boy.
1: A 3 3 card advantage spell sometimes wins you the game. Also, post cyborg, you get access to like really powerful bullets like Veil of Summer, Nature's Claim, Invasive Surgery, Silence, Blossoming Cannon, Surgical Extraction. Which are cards that getting in your hand might lock out the game, especially Surgical that you can cast on the same turn. Surgical is a really bad card for four color shells, but a lot of the time, if you could get it in your hand when you needed it, it would be insane.
0: So the way this deck is built, just l- looking at it visually, you have yeah. the basics of a four color good stuff shell, right? You have Renix to Fairy Time Reveler, Omnath, Solitudes. Right, those are your strong MH2 mm-hmm. slash War of the Spark cards. Then hmm. in your fun slash flex slot, you have the Micromancer package, three micromancers, but all of the main deck micromancer targets are more or less just good cards. There's three ephemerates that provides that unlimited card advantage component, three prismatic endings, one March of Otherway Light, two Unholy Heats, one Lightning Bolt, one Tarfire. Everything we've named so far is just removal. Yeah. And then the Traverse the Ulvenwald, which is a fine card to draw early if you just want to land, but the later you go, you'll have the ability to tutor for any land or creature.
1: Yeah, and then you have Eternal Witness and Multi Fury as your one-offs creatures that can be useful, and Micromancer is mostly here replacing stuff like Expressive Iteration and the other two-for-ones you have in the deck, but allowing you to have a stronger late game.
0: So that single copy of Eternal Witness on the main deck, which you can tutor for with Traverse, does create the potential for infinite use of any card?
1: Yeah. And it comes up super often that you play that Witness once you have one or two Ephemerates in your hand, which leads to that, ephemer- to that Witness not dying. Like, a lot of the time you're playing, like, Burgtide, and you're both on top deck mode, or they only have, like, one ball remaining... You have one if in hand, you draw a witness, you play the witness, get back an Ephemerate, they go to kill it, you Ephemerate that witness, and right then the game is over. You have just won that game.
0: Hmm, nice.
1: Traversing for that witness.
0: So that's why you can have a Silence Lock, even though there's, there's no Silences main deck. You just have the ability to bring one copy yeah. in, Micromancer to find it, and then cast it over and over again.
1: And then just go for that very nice. Yeah, and it was surprisingly good. It also allows you to, already playing Traversing the main deck allows you to play the Emrakul in the sideboard for the grindy matchups, Whereas just Traversing from, for that Emrakul is super common.
0: You see, 60-card decks can be fun too, Mord.
1: <laughs> no, they can't. I also played a bit of Pioneer, just to go back to my old Eurion Lover, and I played a lot of the Celesnia Cocos deck. You mm. know? Did you ever see that deck? The Shaori version?
0: I believe it had Fauna Shaman as like the new card that it was yeah. using to just fill up a deck. Yeah, with but Fauna, all that's irrelevant. features collected companies, and I think, it did it also have Kayla's Restoration?
1: Um, I think they did. Yeah, yeah, so the new versions are playing 4 Coco and 3 or 4 of the Kaila's Restoration.
0: Strange deck, but I didn't quite understand how it wins. Except for the fact that it plays three I mana mean, creatures, which are surprisingly hard to kill.
1: And a Decimator of Provinces.
0: I was playing Decimator of Provinces.
1: You have a first path to get a Decimator of Provinces to just win out the game on the spot.
0: Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't make sense to me, but it's, it's cool that decks like that can exist.
1: I don't like it. I actually played a deck without that, and it went like 3-2-3-2. And the deck works super well. The one card I'm playing a lot that people don't seem to love is Anointed Peacekeeper. And it has been insane when you cast it on turn 2. Turn 2, Peacekeeper, lock out your removal, make it inefficient, get a 3-3 body on the ground. Insane.
0: Yeah, 3-3. Three, three. That's the magic stats, turns out. <laughs> if you're 3-3... Three,
1: 3-3s three... Three are aggressive. What can I say? <laughs> 3-3s are shockingly powerful in today's day and age where every creature is hyper-efficient. Because hyper-efficiency lends itself to be 2-3s mana, or 1-mana 2-1s that just gonna crash into your 3-3 consistently.
0: The age of the hate bear is over. The time of the hill giant has come.
1: (laughs) The hill giant is here. But yeah, besides that, I took a bit more in modern... Finally, up and Magda got a 3-2 with Rivas that I'm going to comment a little bit more later. I don't think I have that Rivas decklist here, but I'm going to upload it to the Discord. In a Magda shell, someone is really trying out Magda in Twitter.
0: So generally, when, when Mord says a Magda shell, what he means is that he's playing four copies of Magda Brazen Outlaw, four Dust Changelings, a bunch of other random changelings, and then a few cards of the tribe of your choice that will also lend their tribal bonuses to the changelings.
1: Yeah, so I played Magda Goblins, got a sad 2-3. Played Magda Goblins, got a sad 2-3, realized it was just literally bad goblins. And then I went ahead and played Magda Dragons, We'd actually get a 3-2 over a 2-3. The rebas was surprisingly useful once you're using it to recast 1-drops instead of 4-drops.
0: Okay, yeah, so getting that Lurus effect.
1: And tapping it for 2 mana to recast that 2 with Realm Walker was pretty great. Like, Realm Walker plus Rivas allows you to start casting changelings from literally anywhere. From your hand, from your graveyard, from your deck, from the top of your deck, from the bottom of the deck, we just need a Grenzo and start playing him from the bottom. Then we get a way to cast them from exile and we just get changelings from anywhere.
0: So let me ask you a question about these Magda decks. Now, the one that you have uploaded right now in our outline uses its flex slots on Conspicuous Stoop, Boggart Harbinger, Kiki Jiki, and a Mog fanatic yeah. and a Sling Game Lieutenant. That's the flex of the deck. With the core, how much of the core is set in stone, and how much is negotiable?
1: Not much. Like, you have the 12 one-drops that are set in stone for Motha's, for Universal, for Bial's.
0: Okay, so you don't consider the changing outcast to be an essential part of the deck?
1: No. So you need approximately twenty changelings for the deck to be consistent on its plan. Anthony tends to favor the two mana 3-3 with double strike a lot more than I do.
0: Oh, the Valiant Changeling.
1: Exactly. Anthony really likes the Valiant Changeling a lot more than me. So that's what difference in most of his main decks. I actually prefer the changeling outcast. So that's something that tends to be present in mine and not his lists. Changeling being more aggressive and a better top deck while requiring some minor synergy in already having a Changeling on board. And sacking with other vial.
0: In order to get to 20, you do have to play the Unsettled Mariner. Four copies of that, usually. Yeah. And it looks like you're playing two Realmwalker Walker in this build.
1: Yeah, on any version that I'm actually trying to make some value, I really like Real Walker. And on the Dragon's version, I was actually playing three, because there I don't have Snoop to actually get value. And then as the finisher, of course, I was playing the new. So the deck was also featuring the combo of Magda, Glauconformans, Changeling Automaton, and the new dra- and the Dragon that whenever a Dragon enters the battlefield, shoots at the opponent.
0: Oh, Scourge of Elkas. Exactly. This was for the Rivas build.
1: This was for the Rivas suite. Okay. Yeah. And that was a much more efficient win con than Carthus.
0: Oh, so you cut the Carthus. That's too bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you go for Clock of Omens and that. So Carthus was fun, but all in all, I was able to win the game generally without it. I did get a few sweet wins, like I turn three Carthus against Primeval Titan. And just hit them for a lot. Because it also untaps and gives haste you to all your changelings. This
0: is an ancient card that no one has ever put into any serious modern deck. Seven mana, seven, seven flying haste, dragon lord. When it enters the battlefield, you gain control of all dragons, you untap all those dragons. So what you're doing is you're using Magda's last ability, sacrificing five treasures to tutor a dragon into play. Kiss the Carthus untaps everything, what do you do from there? Do you actually win from there? <laughs> That's the question, Mark.
1: Carthos did win most of the games, but not all of them. It was actually pretty useful.
0: So the Clock of Woman's combo is a little bit different. It allows you to basically untap Magda forever, tap, untap, Magda forever, yeah. creating treasure tokens, which you do have to tap them in order to keep the chain going, but Magda doesn't care whether you're sacrificing tapped or untapped treasures. So, in theory, once you've done this, you've got, like, a million tapped treasure tokens in play, which Magda can then use to get, well, first of all, Scourge of Elkhaas, and then, one by one, pull out... A bunch of yeah, changelings. The last Mothla's changeling is the one that kills you.
1: <laughs> Dying to change changeling is the worst outcome.
0: Yeah, all you're missing is Coveted Prize. That was, like, the original Coveted Prize build <laughs> with the Clock of Omens.
1: Uh, we miss you, covered price.
0: I'm informed by first terminator via Discord that the party mechanic
1: storm eight.
0: Yes, rated eight on the latest storm scale. Heartbreak emoji.
1: You are rated higher than mutate. How does that feel? Uh, no. <laughs> <sighs> you are less beloved than mutate. Oh gosh!
0: See, the D and D crackdown continues. What's wrong with the party mechanic? It's totally fine. <laughs>
1: So I think the biggest issue with the party mechanic was it requiring four super specific classes instead of four out of, like, ten, because that was too much text. Like, I'm sure one of them, some like, on original design, they were, okay, if you have four of fighter, cleric, warrior, barbarian, wizard, mage, cleric, etc., 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 warlock, summoner, necromancer, that counts. But that was too much text. Mm. So they had to narrow it down to only four, which made it too specific. And now, if if your set doesn't have enough clerics, party is inexistent. You need enough rogues, enough clerics, enough warriors, and enough wizards. And clerics and rogues are not particularly common.
0: I mean, the biggest problem whenever I look at Coveted Prize again is that the cards that pay you off for having party just aren't priced right. They're not. Compelling for constructed.
1: They are priced on the fact that you are gonna consistently get a party going. Which is not true. Like a full party.
0: Yeah, they're mainly priced for limited. Like it seems to have been the limited mechanic. Yeah. Whether that's a good idea or not is also a question. It's one of the more Hmm. finicky things to track in a game of magic, which creature types are in play, etc. But well, that's a question for the storm scale. And yeah, one we don't need to answer here. <laughs> it's already been answered. Storm Scale 8. So sad.
1: But yeah, you got outscaled. If you outscale Mutate, I have bad news for you. <laughs> then, finally in Modern, I made a really, really bad decision to decide to play some Chess Control and got my hand absolutely handed to me by turn 2, burn and 6, a few too many games.
0: Chess Control. What does that even look like in 2023?
1: Um, so I took a decklist leg- a leg that somehow 5-0'd, 4 Consider, 2 Spell Pierce, 4 Bolt, 4 ragaban, 3 Prismatic Ending, 4 Stoneforge, 4 Snapcaster, 4 Counterspell, 3 Teferi, the 3 Normal Equipments, and 4 Expressive Duration. Sheskai Stoneblade.
0: So the thing that stands out to me the most about this deck is, well, A, 4 Snapcaster Mage, you don't see that very often. B... Do you remember the discussion that went on for like many, many years about like what is the iconic two drop, the most powerful two drop in each color, and every color has one except red. Yeah. That was that was always the joke, right? Like white has Stoneforge, blue has no
1: wait, red always no green was the one. Oh no, green had Goyf, red had Young Pyro.
0: Well, that was the question, right? So black has Dark Confidants, green had Tarmogoyf, blue had Snapcaster, red had some say Young Pyromancer. But every time a new two drop came out, the question was, "Oh, well, may- maybe it's Dreadhorchunist. Maybe that's the new. The cycle is now complete." And you look at this deck, and it's like, <laughs> "Okay, what's <well>, Ragavan. <laughs> Ragavan is clearly the the two drop for red, but also Snapcaster has been like pushed out of the format."
1: Ragavan should have been a two drop, and Murktide Regent should have not been a two drop.
0: Right now, it's like Murktide is the new two drop for blue scion of draco i guess for redhead i don't really know yeah
1: so talia became stoneforge mystic snapcaster became murtile young Pitomancer became ragavan termogoyf just
0: i think it's still there i don't know
1: yeah just no one plays green
0: that's it yeah
1: <laughs> like if you're playing green you're playing it for brennan six or for prime time
0: termogoyf became strangler root geist <laughs> okay
1: Likely, there are smaller geists. I think there are more Dryad of Felicia Groves than Travel Goifs.
0: Yeah, but that's not a two drop, so at least that's. Goif is safe from the tyranny of Dryad of Elysian Grove at three. Anyway, hmm. so this deck. Yeah, Jaskai Stoneblade, I guess that's the way to describe it.
1: Got my ass, absolutely kicked.
0: What was the issue?
1: Brain and Six is. Too man efficient at destroying you, most decks are able to go over you, every single deck in modern is able to kill a Ragavan or a Stoneforge on curve. You just don't feel you're doing something particularly powerful when you could be doing something else. Stoneforge feels always a tad weak if your deck isn't filled to the brim with threads. Like, the reason I felt Stoneforge worked in the Maverick Shell was because I also had Triad and Knight of the Reliquary and, and, gi- and giver of Runes, and Elvis Reclaimer, and Brenan Six. You have, like, 24 creatures, 8 on each set of mana, Brenan Six being a Planeswalker, and a creature, of course, that your opponent must deal with in order to not get outlanded by value, and Stoneforge is just one of them.
0: I also wonder if these cards just don't work together at all. Like... There's just too many different plans here. There's some counter magic, but yeah. not a lot of counter magic. There's a lot of sorcery speed stuff. There's some card selection, some card draw. It just doesn't make sense.
1: Express iteration was always clanky with only twenty-one lands. Like you were on turn three, you knew casting Expressive wasn't not even close to guarantee hitting a land. Everything felt like hanging on threads and not particularly good, and that led to me playing bogus for a league. For a Dono league, for a huge viewer of mine, and I got the worst luck I have ever had in a league. In my first two games, I played against Prowess and against Murktide and I got hit by seven exp- um, engineer explosives in two matches.
0: So you're playing pretty much classic green white bogles. four slippery Bogle, four glade cover scout. Yeah, you are playing four of the the new enchantment.
1: Light boss? yeah four audacity were great, and four light boss were a lot better than the old core
0: ah uh, okay, so you're you're not playing core spirit dancer, you're not playing sram, you're just playing light boss.
1: yeah light boss light boss felt a lot better, okay, but I got hit by seven engineer explosives in game one and two, and then on round three, my opponent goes round one thoughtsis game one. Turn 1, thought six, Turn 2, Ratchet Bomb. Turn 3, Lily of the Veil. I won that game! <laughs> which led to my opponent to go, turn 1, thought six, Turn 2, Staten Edict. Turn 3, Lily of the Veil. Which, of course, leads me to lose that game. And then on game 3, turn 2, Ratchet Bomb. Turn 3, Ratchet Bomb. Turn 4, Lily of the Veil. Turn 4, Edict Lily. Which led me to dropping the league. <laughs> because I was playing Mono Black Ratchet Bomb in the year 2023.
0: Just wait till that player gets their hands on the, the new Ratchet Bomb, the leaked one. <laughs> They'll be all over the queues. The leaked bomb? You know? Well, we can't say it for many reasons, but we a can week say later. yeah, you know, The new Ratchet Bomb.
1: I'm just happy. Also, there's a strictly better Granite Smashy Strait being printed. Oh boy. Which I'm super tempted for. Just does so much stuff.
0: So, Jeskai Guy, Stoneblade, not doing it for you. Green White, Bogles, not doing it for you.
1: No, I need Bad urex. Insects was surprisingly fun. I got a 3-2, like it wasn't bad at all. Had some fine lines. Hex Parasite plus Ursa Saga is a delight. So,
0: you described this deck at the very beginning when you were going to tell us about your um, Naya Maverick deck. The Insects in question, I mean, it... <laughs> There's still, like, a ridiculous pile of cards. Crawl Harpooner, Brain Maggot, Haywire Might, Hex Parasite, Realm Walker, because you have to get up to, you know, sufficient insects and then grist the hunger tide. Yeah. Blex, vexing pest, is not actually an insect, right? It's a pest.
1: I lost so many games to Realm Walker revealing Blex, I freaking hate Blex.
0: <laughs> I mean, can you cut Blex? Is it, is it actually important? I don't know.
1: So as I was talking about cutting bags, one of my viewers was like, one of my viewers was literally like, you know, in the insects Discord, which just exploded my brain. That combination of words in the insects Discord, <laughs> they were talking about how Blex was the glue keeping it all together, which just led to me having a brain fart and just going like, Ugh. oh my gosh. How could I argue with the Insects <laughs> Discord, you know? So much cumulative knowledge in the casting of Brain Maggot.
0: It's like uh, the secret life of a bug's life or ants or whatever. Like somewhere out there, there's an Insects Discord. Far, far away from the world of the, the giants, the human-sized people. <laughs> They're playing mini-modern. Who knows <laughs> what life is like for the Insects Discord.
1: Exactly, and I was just shook by the existence of it, but there it is. And that was my different Modern Piles for the past few weeks.
0: I love to see it. Yeah, it's a great time to explore when we're between sets, when it's kind of a a lull and an innovation.
1: Yeah. I really wanted to play some different brews back in Modern.
0: So, Mort, if people want to see these brews in action, whether on your videos or live, where can they find you streaming this?
1: Well, you can always find me at Twitch at Mortulite. Also on my Twitter, which is the same, Mortulite or Discord. And on every single one of them, you will be able to communicate that to me and we can find the perfect brew. But yeah, that's literally where I have been streaming it. Most of these games are, I think, are still on Twitch. They shouldn't have been deleted. And some of them are actually quite good, especially the Maverick one, which has had some amazing lines on stream. Like winning games out of literally nowhere.
0: All right, I'm going to check that out once I get through this stack of
1: boxes. This stack of boxes and moving? I feel like the
0: apartment is totally full, and yet I still have 30 boxes of just junk filling up all of the usable <laughs> space. It's been a mess. It's been an absolute mess, Mord. <laughs> but
1: I mean, how many times have you moved in your lifetime, Dan? Many,
0: many, but this is the first time that I've really moved from... A bigger space to a smaller space, and...
1: Oh, okay. And having to save stuff somewhere and then recoup them and such.
0: Yeah, like, I I suspected we would end up with a smaller place just because Austin, Texas is super expensive, but when we had to pack the stuff into the storage and go to Jerusalem, we didn't really know, we hadn't found a place yet, so... Now that I'm here, hmm. I'm like, all right, I hate this stuff. I'm just going to throw it all in the trash. <laughs> but even the trash cans are small here because reasons. So it's, everything's difficult. But we're getting there.
1: Yeah, I have been blessed with the curse of never having more than two boxes of my stuff. So moving for me is just like, oh, pick up the box. Move the box. Drop the box. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, the bliss of being young. But yeah, love to have you back, done. Hope that everything works well as you slowly recoup yourself into your spot.
0: Thank you, thank you. All right, we better cut it here for today, but we will be back later, hopefully again this week, we'll see. And soon we will have new previews to talk about, officially.
1: Yeah, should be next week, and there's going to be a bunch of them some new mechanics, some really interesting blameshooker, some beautiful creatures, a new giver of runes, and more.
0: Excellent. All right, looking forward to it. Mord, take care.
1: See ya Abad. Bye-bye.
0: Decklists for this episode can be found at our homepage, faithlessbrewing.com. And don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app to hear new episodes as soon as they drop support for this podcast is provided by brewers like you join the faithless family and help support the show at patreon.com slash faithless brewing for discord access bonus content and more that's all for today stay safe and we'll see you next time